and welcome everyone to the Diamond in the Buff podcast, a Survivor Superfan podcast looking at all the outwitting, the outplaying and the outlasting. It is week four. We have had a very juicy three episodes this week and I'm not just talking about Dave. My name is Simon. The DITB crew is all here. Hello to Jacob. Hello to Beth and hello to Gav. Hello to Simo. Hello. Simo and hello team. How are you guys? Pleasure to have everyone back again. The promos had hyped us up for a massive week this week. So we got promised three big butt players to leave. We got what they promised, although maybe not in the fashion we may have expected or the the people we were expecting either. But um, twists and turns galore. What is everyone's thoughts on this week as a whole? I'll start, but you you covered over that. Like, so what do you think of the promos? Like, do you like that we're pretty much being told what we're seeing this week? Like, it's pretty, you can kind of tell from the promos that certain players aren't on the radar of being voted out. And when they say three big, you can kind of, it, it kind of narrows that down. Um, I enjoyed the week anyway as a whole, but the, the teasers aren't really leaving much for the imagination, I, I don't think. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think the teasers give way too much away and I'd much prefer to go in and be, I mean, there was a lot of jaw-dropping moments anyway, but it would be even more jaw-dropped without the teasers. Are there people that, I feel like people out there, you either watch Survivor or you don't watch Survivor. So you don't need to have the teasers to get you to watch the next episode. It's one of those, you know, TV shows that the the further throughout the show you get, the better it gets. So no one's going to stop watching now. Yeah, well, like, yeah, the US Survivor, like the promos never, never do it this way. Um, so it's a pure Australian only sort of way to promote the show. I don't think it does take away too much from what we're actually seeing. It's still enjoyable, but you can kind of, yeah. So we've seen in the past, you can tell which team's going to tribal before the immunity challenge is even run. Um, and then if it's down to two players, you can say, well, they've said three big ones are going home. So it'll be A versus B sort of thing. I know that they kind of, when they show the promo, you flash, you know, Khan and Mark and Sam and stuff. And obviously maybe that's a little misdirection, but we did, you know, we recorded last week and we're talking about um, a potential, you know, Nina injury, which we'll get to. Now we will talk on it because it's the timing of, of when we're doing it now that, you know, this is the last time we'll speak about tribes together. Um, we've got Merge <laughs> right around the corner next episode, which we did pick last episode. So I think pat on the face to us to get that one. But, um, and then, you know, we we don't see it, as you said, in American Cyber, but we see it all the time in Channel 10 reality TV. And even when we saw kind of Sam passing out before the challenge, you saw kind of Jesse next to her. And it just, it already makes you like think of who kind of finished the challenge before her and stuff like that. And um, it's not as fun, but a weird timing to go um, uh, individual immunity challenge the time before we go to merge, I guess. But I think we'll get into that later. Any kind of other thoughts from um, the three episodes that we got this week before we get into it? I am so tempted to scrap talking about these three episodes and talk about the dynamics of what we know and like the partnerships and who's going into merge and all of that. Like I just need to like rein it in because I am quite excited by that. But yeah, talking about these episodes, it's, it's always hard when there's just so many twists. Like we've actually had in these three episodes, we've had a medevac, we've had someone do a tribe swap. We've had a genuine vote out. And then we've had then tonight with a fire making challenge. Like it's just not normal survivor. Like you mentioned then, the twist, like I I really hated so Sunday night's twist with KJ. Um, the timing of that for a player that's – so they've already had the the tribe swap. So they've already been on one 
their original tribe, they've had a tribe swap, and now they've got a twist that makes another player go to a different um, tribe who was just a throwaway vote. She only got one. She wasn't voted out. It was just all sorts of odd for me, um, and it makes it not that you need to be looking after players, but for someone that only got one vote, it seems weird that she then loses the chance to kind of form an alliance within her tribe in, in that regards, even though after the fact she she said she was happy with it. But the way it was done was sort of really, really confusing that it was, okay, you can pick anybody that's um, got a vote. And I think that's probably what my biggest gripe is with a lot of the Oz Survivor twists, that they're not in aid of a better TV show and a better reality TV experience. I feel like they're in aid of dragging the show on. And that, that's how I've always felt about it. So, and, and maybe not all the twists are like that, but that one definitely felt that way. It's just, hey, we just lost a night. We achieved nothing. And KJ wasn't even an influential enough player to make a big difference on the other side. So it just felt like, hey, we've got three months to fill. We've got this many players. So therefore we need this many tribals where there's a twist where someone doesn't get voted out. And sometimes the twists land and sometimes they don't. And I don't think that one landed. And in this scenario, someone left. So, you know, usually someone leaves, you don't go to tribal. The episode, you know, you, you can still fill your hour or two-hour time slot with other strategy talk and things that happen, you know, so you still get your advertising money. You still, like, the episode goes the same length. You just don't have this weird twist that happens. I think potentially this might have been a direct result of Nina kind of leaving and then, as you said, needed to, to pad out a, an extra immunity challenge. Obviously, the Alex... Medivac was more of a, a medi-quit and they didn't have to vote someone out. Um, we'll get into all the twists because there was a few elements <laughs> to the first one that kind of kept hitting as we were going that were some that we've kind of seen bits before, even, you know, this season with people being able to watch a, an, another uh, tribe go to council, but little bits that obviously we hadn't seen. And the twist at the end of the week was was interesting as well. I want to get your thoughts on some of the fire stuff later, but... It felt almost like if Ben didn't go out, he would have been the luckiest person on Survivor. So it was, it was a, probably a, a nice end to the three episodes we got this week, I think. We, we all got closure. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, which is kind of what you want from your TV experience. We have to dwell and, you know, think about this and wait until Sunday. So I like a, a bit of a, a full stop on this chapter before we go into Merge. And I think you're right, Beth, there's going to be some things that I don't know if we'll tee up this week or I'll kind of leave it to next podcast where everyone else is listening along and they'll see the merge stuff. But there's some of the family dynamics that are going to really kind of put things on their head, I think, as far as the game works and how people think they're situated in the game so far. Welcome to your final immunity challenge. All right. So challenge breakdown back for another week. Um, we started with uh, Sunday night's episode where we had the the giant slide into the shooting hoops Um which I think then was kind of more just about Nina's injury, which we'll probably touch on a bit later as well. Um, one thing about that injury, though, I felt really bad for Mel because it overshadowed that she had a, a nice little win there and got a, got a hoop. Um, she hadn't had much air time and I thought she had a, had a win in it and it got overshadowed yeah. by the injury. So, but, yeah, that was that. Was that. And then um, blood winning there and then I'm um, sure we'll touch base on clues and all that kind of thing for them. Following the, we had the immunity, which was the chariot slingshot type one. Seemed like a bit of an awkward challenge for me with them standing around awkwardly and holding them 
like upright on this chariot while there was it just seemed no need for it but once again blood won that one monday was the interesting one because um it, it was the direct result from from the ben surviving the that twist that they've then gone and said they wanted to to throw the um throw the challenge so what's your thoughts on when when teams just going and openly throwing challenges it's a great point, and I wanted to get everyone's thoughts as well. I think personally, I'd be very apprehensive to throw a challenge ever, and I think we saw, you know, Chrissy being a big part of that, not Delhi Croc, and then it kind of coming back to burn it. I could envision a scenario where you need to go to trial, especially just before a merge, is beneficial for you if everyone's on the same page. Let's say you've got a Mark or, or a Sam or someone that, you're scared of getting over, you know, he has an idol, he's got his teammate over there. This is a chance to when you think there's smaller numbers around you that you've done your head count and you think you're very confident about this at the time, you could maybe sell me on that. But I think overall as a principle, there's a lot of elements and moving parts that throwing a challenge is quite difficult to do and, and scary, I think. We've seen time and time again where someone does throw a challenge and it turns that tribe into a losing spiral. So, like, yes, I know we're getting close to merge, but uh, very rarely does throwing a challenge actually end up working in their favour long term. And well, and as it turned out, so it was it was Jesse's plan to throw the challenge, and the reason for them throwing was to get Ben again, and then we saw how that played out. Croc targeted Jesse, and in the end, teamed up and. Um, Croc got voted out. So it wasn't when they were going in, the reason they were throwing the challenge with the aim to get Ben out, it, it didn't actually play out that way anyway. So it could have ended up really bad for Jesse being the one to throw it out if he actually was the one that got voted out. Um, in saying that, the actual challenge itself I, I liked, but it was a good one if you're going to be acting a little bit clumsy to to throw without being too obvious. I think in the past survivors we've seen just <laughs> looking very awkward and obvious where you're dropping or hiding puzzle pieces to, to throw challenges sort of thing. I think this one had its tricky elements that you could get away with it being forgiven because I don't think actually after it anyone got called for throwing the challenge. So I think it, it all got through as just a loss. Ben seemed his normal frustrated self. I think he's just competitive, which is good. If anyone else has anything else on that challenge, I'll, otherwise I'll move on to the Just tonight. quickly, and this is stepping on, like Croc was on the project tonight after he got voted out and he said watching the episode last night was the first time he heard – that you know, Chrissy was a part of ch- throwing the challenge, and he said that kind of really burned him to know that a part of his demise came down to the fact that they threw it, and he was unaware of that up until yesterday when he watched it on TV, which I thought was really interesting. Oh well, wow. yeah, very interesting to know. Yeah, I suppose that depends what year. It'll be interesting watching them sit down. I thought as well, like, and we're probably going to go back over that. But yeah, Ben and Croc saying like Croc saying he'd never write Ben's name down. He's loyal to him to the end and then Ben was very quick to go the other yeah. way and, <laughs> and saying oh, I don't want to write, write down the kids name so and then so yeah last challenge for the week that you touched on as well I wrote down that it was a bit of a weird one to have two individual idols um, but unless that was kind of their way of segueing saying it's the last one so we're kind of getting ready now for individual challenges we saw Shay get the the longest one with the 50 minutes up on the poles I know for one I'd endurance would kill me I wouldn't be able to do any of those those types of challenges but yeah uh, and then we saw sam um come up with the odd deal that she made with khan i know you had some thoughts on that i was confused at the time on what they were negotiating about and whether he was his actual idol but it was good that we got clarification it was the necklace 
We see it happen in endurance challenges where people start to bargain about their safety and stuff. And mostly I think it comes from a place where both of them are trying to avoid being able to stay up there to their limits and kind of testing each other on how long they're going to go. And they, you know, make deals and say, well, what's the point of us staying up here for indefinite amount of time um, when we can negotiate and find something that we both benefit from where it was weird was the fact that Sam was, you know, seconds away from feeling for falling. It seemed in the edit and it felt that way. And I think it goes back to Khan. His body language is so like open and honest. And I feel like, I don't know if he can kind of read things the way that maybe the rest of us are looking through the TV because she was imminent of falling off and desperately trying to do that. I can be here for an hour. So let's do a deal. Um, and the, the way he was so quickly to kind of give up his necklace. And then we saw him getting challenged. I didn't like the way that it kind of felt and all power to Sam. She did really well in the challenge and an amazing job, but it, it didn't really come very genuine the way you do feel, you know, sometimes these arrangements come. Yeah. I think number one, it was just, I think it was a bad call by Khan. Uh, I think straight up just bad game move, way too risky, with really no benefit other than potentially helping build a relationship with Sam, which he already has. So it was kind of worthless in my opinion. But the, the weird thing for me is that Sam is able to be so bold with requests like that and say, hey, can I have your idol when she's not even on the chopping block and somehow that still doesn't put her on you know, the, the full target for being a really dangerous, hard-playing player. I feel like if anyone else does that, they go, oh, why are they playing so hard? They're playing too hard. Let's get them out. But Sam does it and she's wearing this necklace proud at, at Tribal and nothing happens. I was really surprised that she asked because I feel like asking puts a target on your back as much as um, having it. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Um, I've, I think I've said it before how Mark and Sam have gone unnoticed as targets in this game. Um there are a couple of their returning players very much um, driving a lot of the decisions that go down at, at tribal and who goes home. Um, I think they're both massive threats and obviously we're going to see how it plays out when they're both together. The, so I gave the challenge of the week. I gave it to the ball spoon maze. I still thought it was a cool challenge regardless that it got th- thrown. Um, yeah. If, if it was done in a, at a bit more of a competitive speed by both teams trying to win, I think it would have been a bit more interesting, but it was still a cool challenge for, for the week. And then the challenge beast um, was if Mark had done a bit better in um, the endurance standing on the poles, he would have got it. But for me, I gave it to Shay in the end for her um, endurance and, and time that she was able to stay up there. Mark was good. He seems like the, he took like the footy coach approach in that ball spoon challenge as walking along behind everyone and telling him what to do kind of thing. So he was close. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, the challenge beast for the week is Shay. Perfect. Thanks. I got some rapid thoughts on that um, as well. Just to lean on, I wonder if that Mark stepping down the endurance challenge was a bit of a tactical ploy on him not wanting to to win an immunity, especially if he felt very, very safe going in. Splitting the teams into four was really interesting, but we missed out on potentially a, a water and a blood going to reward together. We had both the butt blood, which is... <laughs> um, a, you know, a missed kind of thing. And lastly, where they got Jordan to sit out that maze, uh, that balance challenge, I thought that was directly as a result of him stuffing up that other one where they stacked. They're like, all right, Jordan, you can sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, definitely right. 
I'm with you, Simo. I'm really disappointed that we didn't get to see two or like, you know, two groups from different tribes go to that reward in the slide challenge because I think that would have been a really cool dynamic. And I reckon the producers, as soon as, you know, Red won both, they were just like, oh, well, this defeats the purpose. Yeah, we'll say, so meaning they could have, I, I did think the same, they could have just done a split tribes and working as one team sort of thing. So that way, regardless, they would have had the result of mixed tribe going to reward. Um, just finishing up as well, because it, we're going to, uh, merge next week. It did finish at um, 10, 10 all in terms of challenges for uh, blood versus water with blood winning the last three um, and then obviously one individual immunity per thing. So I gave blood one of the points because they had a red and pink win. That's, That's fair. fair. I, I think after merge, because we probably will see some group challenges hopefully still for reward, I'd love to see some schoolyard picks where we actually get to see the schoolyard pick. We got, we used to see that in old school Survivor, and I used to really like being able to see exactly where what people thought people's strengths were. So, fingers crossed. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Mel and Michelle chosen last every time. But which one do you choose last? <laughs> Clearly, Mel. She can at least make fire. That's true. That's true. Anything else? To it was a really good challenge breakdown. This one, I think, a lot of stuff to kind of hit on, which is great. This is indeed a hidden immunity idol. Any votes cast for poverty will not count. Yeah, we went into this week with two idols in play. Uh, one was Khan's, which is just inevitable. And the other one was Chrissy slash Crux. I'm going to call it a, a group idol, at least for now. Uh, and we saw uh, we saw Croc go home with his idol, which um, which resulted in a double shot penalty in our beloved shot viva drinking game. If your player goes home with an idol, you have to do two shots. Uh, Mark got a clue uh, for a similar style idol that... Um, that Chris and Croc, uh, Chris and Crocky, <laughs> uh, Croc and Chrissy found, um, and he found that idol um, in secret, and then cho- chose to divulge it to Geordie, and then Geordie jo- in his um, confessional um, called Mark an idiot, which was um, <laughs> great. So it's going to be awesome to see exactly how that plays out because I think that's going to be a very interesting dynamic where Mark has tried to. Um, tell Geordie to build com- build trust, but I think Geordie is taking it another way. Yeah, I feel that it, Mark was in a lose-lose position, though, because Geordie was suspicious. So I think if he had lied to his face, it would have backfired, and by telling him, it also could potentially backfire. So, yeah, lose-lose as far as I'm concerned. The way that Geordie chose to play it I thought was, was interesting because you said it was a lose-lose situation for Mark. In my head, I'm... Um, I'm thinking, you know, if you've got the, you know, he has a clue, do you, do you want him to know that you know? And, like, how can you leverage that? I think he was trying to, you know, get in in terms of maybe he has an idea of where the clue is or force him to share it, put Mark in this lose-lose position, see what he does. Um, it was really fascinating because as soon as um, he found it, in my mind was like, you know, if Geordie knows, is this the first domino towards people being more aware of the way Mark's playing and and him becoming more of a threat? Uh, obviously, the boys' club was not budging, and we'll, we'll talk to, to some of the, the efforts to, to shake things up or non-efforts before merge. But um, it's, yeah, this was the first time where you're like, okay, are people going to get cottoned on to, to Mark? And Jordan has this, or Geordie has this information now, and this was the way he chose to play it, but yeah. Uh, I, I think you're right. I, when I first saw 
Geordie see Mark get the clue. I thought absolutely he was going to use that information against Mark and throw him under the bus and 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 whatnot. But it, it is interesting that he chose it chose it as a a way to get close to Mark, and then he might utilize it later because he still can. But it would have been interesting to do it without Mark knowing and just start to tell everyone that Mark's got an idol or at least a clue when he hasn't told his his alliance. But uh, it didn't play out that way. And this is where I think with the merge, it's going to get really interesting because Mark and Geordie seem to have a really good bond happening. But then on the other end, you've also got Sam and Jesse who also have a really good bond. So those four could be extremely powerful, especially with an idol. But then again, like you just don't know how it's going to play out. It's a great point. They could either like this super four or be aware that, you know, they need to get the other one out <laughs> straight away. So is it going to implode or something they're going to build on? It's, it's fascinating. Mm. It goes once again back to what we were saying before, how we're all seeing how strong a player Mark is. Now he's got an idol. It was a perfect opportunity that they could have gone in, pre-merge and blindsided Mark and got one rid of one of the strongest players who's got his loved one still on the other side as well. Um, it could have been a missed opportunity there. What, what we're talking about, um, Jesse and Jordan, Maybe it's just the mum in me, I don't know, but my heart just melts when, you know, Geordie's in the middle of this challenge and his, you know, feet are killing him and stuff like that and, you know, Jesse struggles as he hops down and he's just like, you okay, man? You okay? Like he's just was this instant panic and mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I just like, I love the this side of a blood versus water dynamic as well. You get some really beautiful, genuine heartfelt moments. That was sweet. But I was like, Jesse was not responding. And I was like, dude, let him know you're okay. He's about to try and win this challenge. And Jesse was just quiet. They've also been sledging each other whilst they're on the other side of challenges as well. So I think it's typical, typical brothers as well. Totally. Well, um, yeah, and we end this week with um, Khan's unflushable idol and Mark's semi-secret idol both in play. The Khan idol, I was like, are we going to get a week where it's pretty quiet? And we nearly had that in the, the day, um, the Monday episode, name's not there. And then he kind of throws out his own name at Tribal Council with little to no prodding by P. And then obviously him giving away his necklace just creates chaos again on whether he needed to play or not or not. But going through my mind during the week on like was there a situation with Khan's idols being so obvious that he could have kept and kept it safe coming back from this pantry item thing so I think maybe we could play a little bit of a role play here so I'm going to be Khan <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna come into to tribe I've just been with David picking things out you guys can be whoever you want um <laughs> it doesn't matter hang on so um, you're Khan I'm Khan okay. um you can you can get into the persona of someone back in tribe um, I've just I've just walked in. I've got this idol. How do I keep this secret? So I, I need to have an explanation. Hey guys, just Did come you find back. an idol. Well, I nearly okay. This is how it went. Obviously, if you guys heard, you know, we go there. Dave has to pick three items out. I try to convince him, you know, to get give some to me. What happened was he could choose three items, and then there was four different boxes with advantages in them. If he ends up giving some of the items for me, he gets more of a chance to open up these advantage boxes. If he doesn't um, give any of the items, I get the chance to open the box. Um, Dave ended up not wanting to give me anything, takes all of these items home. I get a one in four shot end of opening up an advantage, but unfortunately no idol for me. So I'm not sure if he got an advantage, but um, nothing on my end. So yeah, sorry guys. 
It's pretty good. I like yeah. it. That's yeah. better than what I was going to suggest. <laughs> it's not bad. Except everyone's a liar. I'd be dr- I'd still I would I would be like nah, bullshit like and just drilling you still. But I like I like, I do like the story though. Yeah, because it also even later on it's going to be really hard for you to come out as a liar there because they're going to have to ask Dave really specific questions about, oh, hey, was there four extra boxes and things like that? Um, I like that. See, I would have gone more down the path of kind of which is exactly what happened of, you know, he had three items that he could choose. He could have given one to us, but because we had just voted out his daughter, he's like, nah, stuff this, I'm not sharing anything. Um, you know, he had lost his connection and his reason for sharing. So unfortunately we got nothing and I just had to sit there. I tried pleading with him. It's the truth as well. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You don't even have to mention that there was any extra advantage in play. No, because it was a free idol that was just off to the side. They didn't have to work for it or negotiate or anything. So I, I think he could have he could have just come back with the truth and you know not mention that bit at all his story like in his his version like um where he only showed half the idol it was it was clever but at the same time it could have backfired dramatically as well whereas people could have gone oh well now that we know about it show me the idol oh why is it a half and then they could have formed their own speculations like so he, he he played a dangerous game in saying that he had the idol in case the curiosity of people who just are on the show like i'd want to see it i'd be like oh give us a look sort of thing Mm. and he's just yeah, it could have actually played it a different way, even, and said, "Hey, it's actually half an idol, and only once it's connected with Dave is it one normal immunity idol." So yep. it would have been even less powerful than what people think it is. He sort of, you know, because almost to a certain extent, a full idol right now is more dangerous than a super idol in three weeks' time. You know, I think we said that at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Apologies for backtracking. I just think it's at this sliding doors moment of if Khan. <laughs> had this idol that no one knew about, given it's just burying him <laughs> every time. Only because you touch base on him again. I, I've, it's pretty much my note every single week. I've written, where's Juicy? He's just not getting there. <laughs> What's happened to him? He was going to be this big player. and I've He's just, doing exactly I, what we said he needed to do, though. He's yeah. laying, he's laying low. He's laying so low. <laughs> I, just, I think I write it down every week. I go, where's Juicy? So <laughs> it was he a good scared. segue to him. Yeah, he did. Well, going into episode 10, it started with them, you know, all complaining about eating rice and beans. And then they showed the rice and beans mixed and it looked foul. Like there, I would rather eat just plain white rice every day. I don't really like beans though. Um, but yeah, I'd rather just <laughs> eat white rice every single day and deal with that. How long do you reckon you guys could eat rice for before like it's making you gag? Or rice and beans. I'm pretty much having rice and beans every day at work. So, <laughs> how, how long is Australian Survivor? Yeah, that many days. I reckon I could do. Yeah, I've always thought the Survivor diet would be a good one. Just sort of yeah, do rice and you know. But then it's also the occasional you know binge eating of candy and you know, hot dogs and oh you know it's pizzas tonight. So it just starts turning into a normal week, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. I could do it if I'm. Winning some rewards, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, I think we we've spoken about the heat, the diet, the the lay down hours. It's it's rough, I think, um, to be out and survive more than you probably get in the edit, especially with the food. And I don't know if Khan can do as much miracles as I said. And if you've got someone on your tribe complaining about it all the time, like you know the Ben was, and and we we heard a lot about that. Even Sam with her final kind of vote throwing him out for the food. I'm, I thought she would have had more words about, you know, his behaviour, but it's like, nah, you <laughs> go home and have some food. <laughs> 
He was also stealing all the crispy rice. So this must be a real big treat in Survivor. We've heard it before from Boston Rob and, yeah, it's coming up now in Australian Survivor. In in touching base on like a bit while we're a little bit off topic, how many how many pairs of clothes or of the one like singlet or one shorts do they have? Do you reckon it's just the one that you see them going with now or do you reckon they've got multiple changes? I've just noticed some of the challenges where you see like getting ripped and tugged on very heavily like – I think they've got multiple. I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but of the same because they like to keep them in the same outfit each time. So it's whether they've just had to go out and stockpile five of one singlet. There I was think- one scene I saw them, sorry, Simo, I saw them packing up their stuff and I think I saw they had like three or four pairs of shoes each. They're like packing up their shoes, organizing. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, have you seen the size of their backpacks that they have? Like in the preview for for Merge, there was a clip of Mark hugging Sam and he basically like struggled to get his arms around her because she's got this huge like backpacker's backpack on as opposed to, you know, these in the US series where they just have this like tiny little side satchel um, and they have to carry their water bottle separately. That's how small their satchel is um, and that's all they've got. It seems like an Australian survivor they get more options and I feel on what happens is when you get selected as a survivor, they, you kind of pick out your clothes and send it through and then production kind of goes through it and some things don't make the cut and some things do. But it does, it does feel that the ones that do make a cut are e- easily repli- replicable if they need to be and that, you know, they can kind of get a hand, whether it's, you know, overalls that need to get patched up or other stuff. But um, <laughs> we've got, I don't know if it's a one-of-a-kind this holiday sucks hat that, is getting more airtime than the twins at the moment. So um, <laughs> if anything happens to that, that would be a shame. But <laughs> And were you guys shocked when you saw that we had another backstory in episode uh, episode 10? It was, we saw Nina's backstory appear, so that's another one. How many more do we have to go? It was a pretty plain backstory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have a whole lot of substance. But it was still something. I hate my job. People aren't nice here. I came to Australia to play Survivor. <laughs> yeah, and we we joke about the um, the intro being the kiss of death, and in this mm. this episode, it seemed to be so. Probably good segue into unfortunately what we saw with Nina's injury, which I think really sucks. We, we've spoken about it a bunch. I think she really could have won. She was you know really well placed, and I think whether it's the intro and giving her the background and the kind of impact that she had on you know through only you know three and a bit weeks that. Uh, I would be um, surprised if we didn't hear from her again in some capacity in Survivor. Well, that's pretty much what JLP said as she was leaving, that, you know, this is not, oh, we'll have her back, I think were his exact words. He said, so, I've got a feeling this isn't the last we'll see of you. Or, mm. Yeah, pretty telling. But it also looks like Sam's sporting a knee injury because I've seen her a few times. There was one scene um, in episode 10 where she was lying down in her shelter and her knee, it looked like she had an ice pack over her knee and then it had... Um, and I was looking out for it because in the previous episode I'd noticed that it was taped and it was still taped in um you know these three episodes this week. So it's yeah, whether that's something that's come from the show or it's just an existing one that they have to keep an eye on, I, I have no idea. It's a rough trot, um, I think, with, with Nina and the kind of injury that she gets to, to have to pull out. It seemed like one of those ones that I could have gone either way and then, you know, from the examination they're like, oh, you know, this is something that can get worse. We really need to pull you. Um, it was quite dramatic the way they did it, obviously, kind of letting her go to reward, pulling her out, have the um, the sponsor car kind of pull in and the moon boot step out. And as, as soon as you saw the moon boot, it's like, okay, the writing seems on the wall here. 
Um, from a challenge, it seemed that she was really reluctant to kind of get picked and go up and the her team was like, oh, no, nah, we think you've got it. I don't know if she was in her head. I don't know if it was editing, editing on putting stuff, but just felt she she was kind of wary of of how things were going to go. And then, you know, the fact that she had such a um, debilitating injury is just a, a, a real sad kind of thing to see. And I just kind of assumed that maybe she didn't like heights. Mm. Yeah, it could be the height thing. I was just trying to think back whether we saw her um, jumping off the waterfall, but I'm pretty sure she was one of the ones that stayed on shore and was shooting. So it, 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 it might be a height thing. You're right. Um, but, yeah, the way she got injured, um, there didn't actually seem like there was too much to it, not that – <laughs> there obviously was, but and that can be the case a lot of the time. I think I'm, I was as ba- much as I wanted her to stay. I was glad that it wasn't one of those situations where she just missed a, a tribal and then came back in the next week and was just good to play again. Like I, I just hated how that played out. So it was, even though this injury was enough to take her from the game anyway, it was sad to see her go. But I'm, I was glad at, when I was thinking watching it that it wasn't going down that path. I thought one fun fact was in the US series, it always seems that the doctors are Aussie. And I'm like, oh, cool, Aussie doctors, that's great. And then in the Aussie series, the doctors are from the UK. (laughs) So (laughs) it'd be interesting that if in the UK Survivor Series, they have US doctors and we can complete this little thruple love triangle. Uh, Yeah, and I did did laugh at that as well. Yeah, it's it's the doctor rule. But yeah. (laughs) We'll all get homework eventually. I've got unfinished homework that I'll come back for the pod with in terms of Ben's tattoos, but that could coordinates. Be, yeah, that could be some of yours, Jacob. Go back and, and watch. Should, you can there, were, back. there were two homeworks, weren't there? I'm trying to think. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we were meant to watch. Um, it was huge. Oh, Squid Game. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a, a whole week's taken up by Survivor. <laughs> Speaking of pop culture references, though, we've been watching the book of Boba Fett. And there's a scene where all these people are carrying two giant Jabba the Huts who weigh tons and tons. And it was very similar to the chariot challenge where Gab was saying that <laughs> yeah. the people were just sort of standing there awkwardly as someone else does something. There's all these scenes in the Book of Boba Fett where you see all these peasants sweating because they're carrying these two giant slugs. It's good viewing. <laughs> Question from a non-Star Wars. I mean, I, I enjoy them, but are they called Jabba the Huts or is Jabba one of the Huts? Like, how does it work? Jabba is one of the huts. Okay. So the huts is like a family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) This this has been a very segue, not segue, tangenty podcast so far. I don't mind it. (laughs) Jacob once referred to me as Jabba the Hut when I was pregnant and sitting on a rock. Oh, wow. (laughs) I can imagine that did not pan out well for you. Oh, that was all right. <laughs> Took his shot. We've got two kids. So. We're still here now. <laughs> Went back for another job of the hut. <laughs> Where's the spade? Just keep digging. <laughs> he knows not to say it postpartum, though. That's right. Yeah, timing's everything, I guess. And that's as we segue back into Zvila, the name of the game, the timing is everything. Um, this week, we started off quite Jesse heavy. I know mm. he was like out, but. We came out, him kind of swinging um, the fences. He was ready to play. We had a lot of sound bites of him, you know, saying, you know, I'm 21 year old is going to, you know, run the camp, which was quite bold. Um, I don't mind it. Um, obviously, he had the big play for, for Ben. Before we kind of had Ben go out, did you have anything that you would thought was interesting? I, uh, yeah, there was a moment where Chrissy messed up because she dropped Ben's name. And that's perceived as a Chrissy mistake. But what I thought was interesting is that just before Chrissy asked Jesse, what do I say if he asks me? And he said, go with the flow. And 
that that's a problem. Your, your plan is not sufficient and you haven't dotted your I's and crossed your T's if not everyone knows who to say. So, you know, Jesse was shaking his head and whatnot, but I thought I, I've seen him as a really big strategic threat, but I thought of this as a really uh, an unfinished plan where he didn't do his due diligence and didn't make sure everyone was across it. And that was where that fell apart because he can't trust everyone to be able to think on their feet, especially when Ben literally says, are you voting for me? You know, it's really hard to talk your way around that. We talk about that a lot in terms of tribal talk. And this was a great example where Chrissy was just like, ah, yep. So uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I actually, based on the edit, just because Jesse was getting so much screen time, I was pretty much watching the show as if he was going to get voted out and it was going to flip on him somehow. So I was actually genuinely surprised that it didn't, wasn't him on the chopping block that night. Yeah, I thought, you know, it obviously was a very Jesse-heavy week. Um, and I think it was our last one we were speaking about his brother, how how much Geordie dominated that. What I did like with how it panned out, or lucky for Jesse, that he got away f- with being orchestrating that whole thing at the end. Like, it, it all fell onto Chrissy or Auntie, um, as, a, as Ben was saying. Mm-hmm. And, and he blamed – sorry, he put no blame on Jesse whatsoever. I think – I think he sees him as this young kid that's just going with the flow and being told what to do, and he was sort of a victim of why why he voted for Ben because he was just told to be a number with it. So I think that's how it was. And then I think the young being so young, it was similar to KJ saying she didn't like being told what to do by a 21-year-old. It made me think back to Xander um, in the US Survivor as well, whereas you can see age can be a thing where you'll have this super intelligent kid who wants to play the game, but then some people still can't take a back seat, be impressed by um, their gameplay as well. I think it was a perfect kind of analysis in terms of a few plans going ahead this week with people not completely getting people on board or, or dotting their eyes. Jesse, I, I did feel, you know, was very confident and his swagger kind of got him there in the end. Not everyone was like super on board with, with the Ben and there was the cracks. And then when we saw kind of Croc trying to do the opposite with Jesse, nobody was really on board. Even Chrissy wasn't on board. He couldn't get his own loved one there. But it's fascinating, I think, Gav, you know, talking about how if you go to, to tribal, and we'll get to this advantage big <laughs> in a sec, how you could go to that environment, come back and still have Ben on your tribe. And Croc or no one telling him that, no, Jesse was throwing you out, especially if you're gunning for Jesse. It's just weird. Even the way that um, they had the a week ago where Khan didn't go home and he doesn't go back to tribe and not know that everyone was trying to gun him with his idol. Like, I don't know if people think it's in their benefit to not say anything. I don't think it is, especially in the case of Croc. But, yeah. I think that's a, a bit of a Chrissy, like, confidence thing. And she, I wrote that she needs to be more confident and honest with it because um, you could see – she could have blown that up and said, well, actually, no, this was all on Jesse um, telling me what to do. But she was happy to kind of just wear the blame. Like if Ben was saying, oh, you voted me off, you voted me off. Um, even when she's asked questions from JLP at Tribal, you can see her kind of not backing herself to say probably what she what she knows to have actually gone down. She'll kind of just take a bit of a backseat with that and kind of wear, wear what's being kind of told at her rather than what actually happened. It's really interesting point that people don't deflect more often and start to do the blame game. It's like, well, it actually wasn't me. But something I've been thinking about is, I don't know if this is a psychological thing with humans or not, but it's rare that someone goes back to tribal and they're angry at everyone. They always isolate their anger towards one person, you know, Ben at Chrissy, Chrissy at Ben, whoever. But it's really rare that, rare that they come back and they're offended at everyone. And they're like, these four people screwed me. They always hone in on one person. I don't know why that is because it doesn't really 
um, make a lot of sense to me. Um, sorry, guys, uh, Gav just had to quickly run off. But as you were saying, Jacob, I think it's a really interesting point. And I think it also comes down to the fact that people generally know that they might be on the outs. And as much as you think they're a united tribe, they kind of know where the lines are. And so the person they hone in on is usually the person that they feel hurt by or betrayed by because they think they've got something without realizing how close they might be to those other group of people who they're not particularly close with. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And it it makes kind of um, for really interesting dynamics on these kind of smaller tribes. When we get to the merge, I'm very interested because I know when they're trying to, you know, orchestrate these blind sides and you've got, you know, eight people, five votes are enough. You know, if you've got seven people, four votes are enough. But they're really wanting to get the whole tribe on board for this, you know, Jesse quote, uh, perfect blind side. And sometimes getting that extra person is, you know, the one person that's going to go tell on you. (laughs) I find interesting. I think it's the right move if Croc wants to kind of, play a plan with Jesse to go to Ben, but you're sitting in, you know, um, the lake and, you know, you've got enough for the vote right there. It's really where you think you can really trust the people that you've got enough to kind of do a blind side. And the more that, you know, the information gets out, the more chance it is that it's going to turn around and hit you. But is that also a little bit of self-preservation that, you know, yes, you know, you've been part of that lake chat, you've got the numbers, but then I'm really close with somebody else. So I need to make sure that I loop my person in so that way then they don't feel like they're on the outs because I was part of the majority and they weren't, I didn't tell them, but then they're also that high risk person that they've got a good relationship and then it all unravels from there. Like It's, it's such a hard dynamic when you try and break it down. There's so many things. I, that's that's perfect. I think what you sort of said because yeah, you do say that you want to be on the right side all the time, and there's this line on who you tell and who you don't, and if you don't tell them, can you bring them back in? Um, but but yeah, yeah, I I agree with you, Simo. There's times where I'm you know basically yelling at the TV saying like you've got the numbers, stop here. Mm, it's like greedy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. One thing that you did mention, Beth, that I I thought's really interesting to flag that. You, you spoke about an idea um, in the group chat around sometimes it's an advantage for your name to kind of come out in tribal council if it's like one or two times, only if sometimes there's a benefit for you to now know who you can trust. So if you're in an environment where you are getting voted for but you're not in danger of going out to kind of help you inform on on where you're going through the game, um, I think it's an interesting concept and you can learn from from mistakes, but I'm not sure if I'm all the way there. I was just interested if you had any more thoughts regarding um, the concept, which I thought was a really good one. I honestly don't remember <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I'm really smart. <laughs> I, I, I'll comment on it. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, information is power in this game and whether that information is seeing someone get an idol or hearing a whisper about something, but knowing who's out to get you and knowing where the numbers lie and knowing who lied to you. And and I think that's where I would really struggle with Survivor is remembering all the things that someone promised me and then comparing it against what the votes were and try to tally that up and go, oh, that person was the one that lied to me. Um, it You don't see it a lot in the edit in terms of people carrying that 
that burden with them, I guess, in terms of that person scarred me. They seem to forgive and forget quite a lot. Um, but it is, it's a very good fact-finding mission to have your name called out. But, you know, we see someone like Khan who has his name called out all the time. And <laughs> But I guess his facts tell him that he doesn't need to play it because the people who always tell him we're not going to vote for you don't vote for him. So it's a good example of the flip side of that too. Yeah, and I mean, Khan knows he's up there because of the idol and they're just trying to flush it out. So I think it's not a surprise when he sees his name, yet you know, when you get a surprise, oh, my name's on the chopping block, oh, I'm now down the bottom, I now need to scramble, which is why, and I think more so these days, you don't see just a majority alliance just knock people off one by one. You almost see it just flipping each each time they go to tribal who it is because, yeah, you've got people who go, oh, I'm actually down the bottom, so then they scramble to the other side and then the other person's like, oh, I'm actually down the bottom, they're gunning for me now. So you just get this back and forth match that starts happening and then you've got those people in the middle that can kind of go either way and it's okay that they're flipping either way. It's interesting to talk about because of what we kind of saw with Ben and I want to talk about how he approached um you know, getting people on his side or, or the way he kind of went through the the next two episodes after he got voted out. But before we go, we I reckon we talk about the tribal and the advantage that um, Blood have from winning. Obviously, we saw that firstly they get to come watch the tribal council, which we've already seen. I know we already kind of liked it or discussed it, you know, if it's a small sample size. But I think tr- second was the, the big thing we haven't seen for a while, um, that the tribe will vote immediately. No chit-chat, you sit down. Off to write your votes. Did you, I, I personally really liked uh, seeing this for a number of reasons. We still got the chat at the end, but I was interested on, on your thoughts about going to vote straight away, no talk. Yeah, I love it as well. I think back in the day, decisions were made up before tribal. So that 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 twist doesn't matter in old school Survivor because the, the vote's locked in. It doesn't matter how much Jeff talks to them and, and does stuff. Um, whereas now, it, tribals are so organic. I rarely know who's going to go during a tribal, and I feel like most people don't either. So to send people up to the urn straight away is, is a, actually a really monumental twist where people haven't had a chance to get their finger on the pulse in this forum where JLP is actually probing them for information, which is outside of the confines of um, of camp talk. Camp talk is all is very different to tribal talks. So I think a lot of information is obtained there. So to not have that information when you're about to vote is is crucial. Yeah, one of the things actually that struck me with that because then all of a sudden, I, I think people get nervous when they start, you know, hearing things and being like, "Oh, I'm actually uneasy." So they actually go in confident. And then tribal makes them uneasy. So by removing that, people are very confident with what's happening. So Ben, he had his name come up twice. So you can assume that those two people that are voting for him are actually the two people down the bottom and your majority is still strong and you're going to vote out whoever the original plan was. So first two names come up as Ben, then it's someone else's name. And Ben's literally said, you guys are idiots. I thought that was just like, it's like you're not at this point, you are actually not on the chopping block. This could easily have turned to be what your plan is. And all of a sudden, because he's seen his name written, he's freaking out. It was valid in the end. But, yeah, just at that point, it just wasn't relevant. Very. I thought the Ben emotion we see just kind of as a roller coaster, him unable to contain himself in key moments, whether it's losing challenges or people kind of failing him or, as you said, his name coming out. Um, what I was actually disappointed about is that we didn't actually get to see who voted for who at the end because who voted for KJ? Like her name wasn't meant to come up, was it? 
Like no. who's this random isolated person that just didn't seem to be part of any of the other chats? Croc admitted the next episode that he didn't vote for Ben, so I think he was the one. I don't understand, you know, what the play is because if you don't want to, you know, be on the the side of, of someone voting out, when you just throw out a random name, I just think it has like these repercussions for you to come back. If I'm KJ and I'm getting a stray vote and I, you can surmise that it's Croc, um, I'm not trusting Croc moving forward, someone throwing out my name. Um, it was weird to see the extra name. And because of this, you know, the third part of this advantage, okay, now they get to choose anyone who's been voted um, or has received votes to kind of come over. Um, and now KJ's in the mix. Personally, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, interested if, you know, you guys are on the same board. But my initial thought is why would I take Ben, let him, <laughs> let him kind of sit there and then deal with that problem, yeah. even if they want to kind of get him you know, vote him off again. And then obviously I think Geordie said Khan has an idol. We don't want to kind of bring that over here. The KJ thing felt fairly straightforward, even in the face of Shay. I think it was well known and she can be angry because it's it makes sense for her to know that Ben's there probably losing or getting voted out and I have to, you know, not have my loved one here while the boys club team up with me. But, yeah, your thoughts? I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was a no-brainer with KJ in the mix um, for exactly the reasons you stated and the fact that she was just an easy one and she's just a number that they're either going to vote out or use um, and both the other blokes were risks slash if you leave them, it's more trouble for that tribe. And they mentioned that as well. They they literally said, we'll just um, let Ben over there blow up and and make things crazy for them. I would have been, it would have been really interesting to watch them try and choose between Ben and Khan and which mm. one they would have chosen there. I think they would have chosen Ben because they probably didn't want the idol at their camp. Plus they would have then, you know, got um, Shay on side, but Shay's also at the bottom. So they don't want to give her a number. Um, it would have been pretty, pretty tricky. Yeah. We did, uh, and I'll take this from Gab as he did have to duck away, but we uh, did have one of JLP's best puns, I think, of the series to date. And it was as um, KJ was walking off, he said one tribe's lemon might be another tribe's lemonade. And, <laughs> oh, boy, was that a savage. Yeah, that was gold. <laughs> For KJ, and she spoke to being pulled over at this stage has its advantages in the game. I know it's just before merge, but, you know, at the start when you're chopping and changing, you can become an easy vote because you just kind of default towards the bottom. But... I think when people have alliances and plans in play and are already kind of eyeing off what, you know, they want to execute, you come in you're immediately an extra number. People are, you know, lining up to try to get you in. I, f- I thought it was interesting that Shay very openly uh, mentioned this boys club that might have been just kind of an unwritten thing that was happening, but she, she threw it out there and the boys kind of, you know, puffed up a little bit in like defence, like, oh, it's, it's, it's not like that where... It is, but in their mind, I think they're merely like, oh, the she's caught it on to this. We need to get KJ on side. And I think KJ, for better or for worse, and we'll touch on it <laughs> later, the, the last uh, travel, you know, was very happy to kind of be the female among the, the boys' club, as she said. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, it keeps her in the game longer, and that's the position you want to be in. We we saw Ben come back to, to camp and you know, have this moment to, okay, maybe let's collect my thoughts and what's my best course of action moving forward here. I think, you know, he could have, he mentioned it, don't get angry, get even. 
I'm not sure if that's exactly the way you want to play it in terms of a revenge motivation, but, you know, the read is definitely right to not get angry and, and not pull a Sophie, which we saw is, is not going to, you know, help your game. But, you know, he's got this second, second chance. Things can and will happen where you can make yourself available to, to get someone else out, and we saw that um, with Croc. So it almost felt like, you know, he's playing with house money and did you feel like this chaos Ben approach, I guess, was, was the way forward? I, I've got a note that says I, Ben is far more emotionally mature than I gave him credit for. Maybe it's a short bursts of emotion with long-term clarity because we saw him come back to camp and he was calm and saying the water's under the bridge and just being friendly with everyone and it wasn't what I was expecting. At the end of the last episode, I was so excited to see him come back to camp and like throw the rice in the fire or something, but he, <laughs> he didn't do anything and he was so chill and he ended up making really calculated decisions that actually um, kept him in the game for longer and even overriding his relationship with Croc and, and throwing Croc under the bus. I was actually really impressed with him and I didn't give him enough credit before. So I think he's just immediately emotional, but then can rein it a little bit in the medium to long term. And, and we saw that when, you know, obviously telling um, when Ben told Sam and Jesse that Croc was voting for Jesse, like Jacob and I have literally both word for word got the exact same comment of like our jaw dropped when when that happened. Like it was such a whoa moment. But that that was very calculated because, you know, in that, by doing that, Jesse's there going, oh, hang on, what? No one wants to hear their name come up. So he immediately flips to be able to then turn, turn his vote around and um, go for Croc. I like the way he played it in the sense that last tribal council, he got told a name to write down and he did and he got blindsided. And then this time he's like, well, I don't want to play that way anymore. I want to make moves or kind of put someone else's name out there. And that seemed like the motivation where Croc comes and says, it's Jesse tonight. I'm helping you out. And he goes, I'm not, I'm not letting someone else decide my fate this time. Okay, let's play the game. It's unfortunate that, Croc was really genuine in trying to help him and he kind of burnt the bridge and threw him under the bus um, in a big way. But I, I do feel the play is right in terms of, you know, you've got this second chance, okay, I'm not letting my fate be decided by just, you know, whoever the tribe decides on and that, you know, let's play the game. Yeah, not to mention Croc isn't the sort of guy that you want to go to final two with. You know, he's just not that strategic guy that I think you can trust throughout. So it was kind of a no-brainer for Ben. You may have a good relationship with Croc, but he's not the guy that you want to completely solidify yourself with. I did enjoy um, Ben sort of throwing a bit of a backhand towards Jesse after he told him that Croc was gunning for him. He's like, doesn't feel good, does it? <laughs> so like, he, he was sort of emotionally mature in the moment and making the right calls, but you had to throw it in there because it's exactly what happened to Ben. So I would have felt good for him. Yeah. And the play went probably exactly how he thought. Like, what is like, how about that? You know, Croc's going, going for you. And Sam and Jesse immediately take the bait go, all right, Croc. Like that's exactly what he wanted and like it was an easy thing. And we, this is where we start to see this whole blood versus water dynamic really start to rear its head now when, you know, you see the examples of, you know, Chrissy feeling like she has to vote with Croc but she's actually not wanting to vote with him because of, you know, the person she's got a really quite a strong alliance with and, you know, we're just going to start seeing this more and more as this merge happens and it just gets really, really tricky for them and their game play and their strategy of, you know, 
I'm wanting to win this game. My best chance of winning this game is currently with my alliance. You're my blood and I'm obviously needing to support you. And it just, it's a, a position I actually wouldn't want to be in. I mean, there, there's a ton of scenarios where you and I don't agree on things, you know, yeah. and let alone putting us into an awkward environment like Survivor where we've managed to develop our own relationships on either side and then we come together and have to compromise to find a, a, a way forward in a scenario that we've never had to deal with before. That's incredibly complex incredibly complicated and no one you know performs their best when they're hungry they're tired they're stressed like that's just like ultimate breakdown moment i Mm. selfishly i'm pretty happy croc's gone because i really didn't enjoy watching that episode and watching croc try to navigate the strategic game i just found it really awkward and icky and there was a time that he pitched a plan to the whole tribe when chrissy was hearing it for the first time and it just it just didn't sit right and i was like i don't like watching croc play survivor so it might be harsh but i didn't i wouldn't have liked to see him navigate merge no i think that's very fair did did you guys notice the sneaky fist bump between ben and jesse while christy was crying in croc's arm yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. christy's crying croc's giving her a hug and it's sort of a bit of a wide angle that they're doing on it and then you just in the background see ben and jesse do this fist bump right behind them I did I did see, you know, all the boys or everyone get their kid off and kind of go for a skinny dip and then it just pans to Chrissy like sitting on the <laughs> the embarkment, just like <laughs> based it out. But <laughs> Well my my favorite pan or and sort of zoom for this episode, actually for the whole week, is when um JLP says at Tribal Council of episode 11, no one goes without a voice and the camera just zooms slowly on Mal, who's just sitting there quietly. <laughs> Yeah, or there was another good um, camera moment where um, KJ said, oh, Mark's a really special guy to me, and it quickly does a um, jump cut to Sam going, what? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like clearly that's not how she reacted because she's not going to be that salty about it, but it's still good. No, speaking of the funny things that they do decide to air, though, the amount of times they're all cleaning themselves with the eucalyptus leaves, I feel like I haven't seen this in any previous Survivor seasons or maybe I just haven't noticed it, but I feel like these guys, all they do is just wash themselves with these leaves. This is where strategy talk happens, mate. It happens in the in the billabong with the eucalyptus leaves. <laughs> I do feel that we have a few guys who are very happy to stand uh what shin deep almost in the water and, and show off the rig and I mean I, I'd be I'd be whipping the shirt off every chance I got if I was equipped like some of these guys but <laughs> I feel like they're positioning themselves more than some of the other seasons um I, we didn't see George or a few others sitting <laughs> in the <laughs> the water as much as these blokes that's for sure <laughs> it's like boys let's move into the shallows so they can see our quads too <laughs> <laughs> it almost it did feel like a like a a model kind of laugh the way that we're kind of like angling themselves and looking at each other and talking strategy it was <laughs> it was it was fun to watch but yeah I think the second tribal arguably for me was one of the more interesting one going in because we did have you know this plan for croc this plan for Jesse this like noise around is Ben still an option um people were like oh well Khan's got an idol it like it felt like there was more kind of things being floated than we'd seen so far this season even when you get blind sides, um, it quotes like where everyone was on board. It, it, you know, it's not a blind side as much for people kind of viewing where this one, I genuinely went into it going, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. La- lastly, because I know we, we spoke about how obviously Croc goes home with the idol and if he does have a chance to to pass it on, 
Uh, I think it's, it's quick to, to address because I feel like it was an unwritten rule that you couldn't pass an idol on after the, the votes are read. But obviously we saw last Australian season Kez do that to Flick, if I'm correct. And there was quite a you know major backlash on, on social media and stuff about you know this not being fair and a thing. I wouldn't be surprised, do you reckon, if they were told producer-wise, you know, no idol passing on this this season, do you reckon? Especially with the backlash last time, uh, I think for sure. Because it's kind of a no-brainer that you would in Blood versus Water of all things. You may not pass it on to a, you know, someone you've only known for three weeks in a normal season of Survivor, but, you know, it's a no, no-brainer to pass it to Chrissy. And But, I mean, there's also the argument that giving her that idol puts a target on her, an, an, un, an unnecessary target on her back. So that's a bit of a tricky one. But, yeah, I, look, I, I think if you're out, you didn't play it and you didn't hand it off beforehand in precaution, that's on you and you have to go home with it as a souvenir, as they call it. Yeah, especially an idol like this. It was actually a secret idol, so no one knew about it, whereas Khan's idol is a very public one, so it's a very different story. But, you know, if he saw his name come up and, you know, maybe before the final votes are even read, he can pass it along. But I think once that last vote's read... You're mm. done. The idol's dead with you. Imagine treating it like a bouquet toss and you're just on your way out. You just yeet <laughs> it behind you and watch everyone grovel over it. That'd be gold. <laughs> In this season, you'll just see everyone just stand to the side and let it fall to the ground. No one wants that special day. <laughs> yeah, true. She just wants it <laughs> to the tree. <laughs> with both tribes going to tra- tribal council, maybe we'll hit on blood first. It seemed that the boys' alliance was very, very strong. I was mm. curious if Geordie was going to make a play with the the Mark Isle, but seems like he's very happy to kind of sit back and, and wait and bide his time. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting, they were talking whether it's KJ or Mal and how we're going to split the votes and it's inevitable, um, even to the point where Josh basically tells KJ, like, yeah, you're going to cop a couple tonight, but you're safe, don't stress. Um, I was like... I, KJ, are you here to play? Like, what's the move going forward here? Are you happy just to kind of survive to merge or do you want to try to to make a play where, you know, they've still got three girls there with Mal and Shay who is desperate to get out, one of the boys. Um, can you pull in Juicy? Is there something to do there? Or are you very happy to just roll the dice and hope that they get out um, Mal rather than you? Because that was the situation. You're not sure and you're really pitching the other person over you and, it felt like a bit of a kind of a weak play for me moving forward for your whole game. Yeah, we've seen this happen in previous games, though, where someone is genuinely the you're the name we're throwing out, but you're safe, and they freak out, and then the whole thing plan goes on the head, and they should, and then they end up going home because they they're a liability because they can't be trusted and, and things like that. Um, it's a really complex thing because it's like if you just stuck to the plan, like which is what happened tonight with KJ, she stuck to the plan and she's safe and it's all good. But if she, you know, freaked out and tried to turn around, then they're not going to trust her and it can totally throw off that gameplay as well. Yeah, and I think maybe a few days ago or a few episodes ago it would have been a weak move and she should have done more to try and, you know, make leave her mark. But with it being so close to merge, admittedly they don't know when it's happening, but you kind of just need to bide your time, especially knowing she's on a strong tribe, that there's a good potential that they could continue to win immunity challenges and get to merge, that it's really just about making it through this next vote. And I think she, I mean, as viewers, we knew that Mel was on the bottom versus KJ. May not have been that obvious to the both of them because Mel obviously thought she was safe because she wasn't making moves either. Um, So, you know, it would have been good to see one of them make a move, but I think Beth makes a really good point that it is, it's just such a risk and especially you have to take each scenario on its own merit that 
that's not just a typical alliance. Those boys seem really tight. And if they're um, if they're just trying to get to merge as well, what do they care about this next vote? You know, so I think it'd be a really tricky time to try and make a play for her. And looking at, you know, from KJ's perspective, she doesn't necessarily seem to have a very strong alliance on either tribe. So she's also just trying to get herself a group that's going to put her in a majority position when merge comes. She's got no loved one. To be fair, though, I don't think the boys' alliance is going to do that for her either because they're all going over with with other loved ones and stuff like that. So she's still going to, she's rather than being on the bottom of a six, she'll be on the bottom of a nine or something like that. Mm. So she's going to need to try and find some loose ends eventually to build up an alliance. But I think for her in her part of the game, it's just day by day. I I think though, she's going to make it quite far in the game purely from a perspective that there's always going to be someone that's dangerous. There's so many big players still in the game and they're going to be the next five that are going to be trying to chip away out. Like Mark's name is going to keep coming up. So is Khan's. Some um, you know, split up Jesse and Geordie, split up the cousins, like everyone, that's what people's plans are gonna be. So I think she's gonna float through um the, the next the next little bit. I think, yeah, you're probably right. It's a good point. And maybe Shay with the the immunity power, you know, was it was her kind of play to see whether she wanted to shake it up and the others play safe. And also when you see that you're making fire or whoever you're voting out is making fire with a chance to come back it probably does flag you maybe this isn't the week to, to really pull off a big move mm. and play it safe. But um, we saw that with blood and, and then the other side of the coin was was water going to, to tribal council and Sam now with the immunity necklace and Khan being floated as a, an option. Good move, like play by Ben, I think, to really sell him on like, well, this is a chance to get out Khan with his idol, which made it more interesting for me that he was the one to go tell him to play because if I'm the others and the options are either Ben or try to get Khan out. How did you guys read that tribal council? It was a hard one to read, I guess, without knowing everything that happens behind the scenes of how many conversations sort of happened, how strong they were, because all all you really saw was Jesse making a comment around not wanting to work with Chrissy because like, oh, she's not going to trust him or stuff like that, which I guess planted that little seed of doubt that maybe Jesse's actually going to vote with Ben, not against Ben, but he's also very tight with Sam and Sam seems very tight with Khan and Chrissy. Like, so it was, it was a weird thing. So I think he, Ben was always going to be going out, but they just tried to edit it in a way that planted a bit of doubt for us. And the, the gifted um, immunity at necklace almost played in Khan's favour because it would have, we spoke about this in our group chat, that it would have been really awkward for Sam to backstab him at that point. It would have just put the biggest target on her back that we would have seen all season because that just, number one, she took it from him by being a bold player and just asking for it, which I already mentioned before, I think puts a target on her back. Um, And then two, to backstab him and flush the idol at the same time, just she's gone in my opinion. So I think she kind of had to swing the vote in a way that wasn't for Khan at that point. So, you know, Ben was semi-obvious in a way. Um, I, I don't know about Ben going to speak to Khan. If he truly thought the votes were going that way, I don't think he needed to go speak to Khan. And that almost just made him seem a little bit too reckless. And let's say um, uh, let's say Jesse and Sam were actually doing that plan with the two on Khan and two on Chrissy or whatever it was. When Ben goes and does that without having consulted them beforehand, he then just looks reckless and then they might actually decide to change the votes halfway and go, no, 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 Ben's crazy. Let's get rid of Ben. So I wasn't sure about it, to be honest. Yeah. And in my eyes, as soon as 
we got the um, reveal that they're making fire before they had the chance to play their idol, um, gave Khan the opportunity to have a read saying, oh, well, based on how tribal council's gone, now that I know that even if I get voted out, there's a chance I return, maybe the right, it's even more of a play for me to hold on to it, which he did, so... Uh, and, another week. <laughs> and with with him being the, the chef, you'd think that he's going to be pretty good with fire as well. So he might be going into that feeling quite confident of, you know what, worst case, my name does get played. I'm going against Mel. I think I can beat her. Yeah, yeah it's calculated at that point. Mm. With the fire challenge, and I like the fire challenge. I think we spoke about it on the YouTube pod. It's it, it, it really this, like, sense of drama. But do we think it's almost too random now? I'm just watching you know, uh, some big fire challenges from the past three seasons. I know we had a um, a Mo one, um, even the American Survivor one to get to final three, and now this one where it takes so long to burn the rope, there's wind. It doesn't seem like the winner is definitively made the best fire. Do we think it's random or the person who's, you know, going in knowing the most about making a fire is the one that usually wins? I know there's some seasons where I'm just like, what? How did that rope break? Because it feels like just a couple of licks of flame got on it and the other one's been engulfed for like three minutes. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I I say this a bit that I don't necessarily like things in Survivor that are left up to chance. And there's a certain amount of chance when it comes to fire building because of the wind and all these sorts of things. I mean, even your kindling could be a little bit different. We're talking about the producer wood, which can you know <laughs> break in different ways. Uh, but at the end of the day, it should be, you know, at least 90% of it should come from your skill in building a fire. And you, you definitely do see it when one person can't build fire at all and the other person can. It actually turned out tonight that... Um, ben and Mel were actually both pretty good. I was really surprised by Mel. She, she, some mm. people can't even strike a flint properly, whereas these two were smashing the flint easily. I thought she might have made a mistake early by just doing um, coconut husk and no wood. That seems like an amateur mis- mistake, but managed to bring it back. But, yeah, look, there's a certain amount of variability, but I do like that, you know, the, thematically it fits so well in Survivor that, you know, fire is your life and everything like that. And I always hate it when people go on Survivor and they still can't make fire. It's like, figure it out. You've had three months notice before going on the show, go in your backyard and make some fire because if this happens, you need to be prepared and it could be a million dollars, well, maybe not a million dollars for Australian Survivor, but it could be a really big um, uh, moment in the game. Yeah, I, I like the fire challenge. I think it was very random for it to be tonight. I don't think it made sense for it to be tonight, um, but I do really like it as in those scenarios, instead of drawing rocks, I think it is good that they do the fire instead. Um, even in the final three to get to two, I think it's okay to use fire in that situation as well. Um, but but the good thing about fire is that it's more of an equaliser than what a puzzle is or a weird endurance challenge or something like that. So it's it's a very fair playing field that everyone should have equal opportunity to be able to do. I think it's a very good point. Yeah, a perfect answer um, worth talking about. I, yeah, I think before we kind of move into our last couple of segments, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Uh, just the, the one that cracked me up this week was um, at the start of episode 12 where we go, what are we in the business of? It's like sending people home. <laughs> and how's business? Business is booming. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Jordan with the funnies. Uh, I, I, I do think Australian Survivor makes me laugh more often than US Survivor. Maybe mm. it's just the sort of the Australian humour that we, we like. Um, but, yeah, that was just, gold. Just the larrikin personalities. Yeah. It's good fun. And I'm really enjoying some of the personalities that are coming out now. Now that we get to see more of Jordan and Josh who were invisible to start, 
Um, obviously, Geordie and Jesse are good fun. And I think now that the twins are together, I'm excited to see if there's a little bit more kind of banter, a little bit of fun shenanigans with them involved as well. This week was fun. I think up top, it was always about are we going to see someone knock off Mark? Um, and I have dislodged him just ever so slightly and I've got a new leader for the first time in Ooh. the podcast and we have Geordie up top. So I think I had him up top before we went into this last episode. The fact that I know Merges around the corner and he's going with an idol made me second guess whether he should still care, but I'm, I'm holding with him just on the, the back that I felt like he was a bolter last week. We've seen even more of him kind of being able to manufacture moves without really coming across as a leader. His answers at Tribal Council have been like pinpoint for me and the fact that, as we said, knowledge is power and him knowing that Mark has an idol, I think potentially is the first domino for things to start getting stacked against Mark moving forward. But the fact that now we've got to merge makes me a little bit cautious about I think if, if Mark can get through a few episodes here, he's, he's going to um, have a pathway to the final really easily. But in terms of movers, um, as I said, I think some of the pairs that are coming together with Jordy and Josh is, uh, are the ones that are kind of coming up. I think we said Josh is the one to watch, but if, if, if someone wants to target Josh and Jordan's still there, I like the way that they've moved themselves into the game. Down, I could have picked a few this week, but I've landed on Chrissy. Things have not gone well for her. She lost her partner. She lost half an idol, I guess. Um, she's playing very emotionally, which is not, you know, the be-all and end-all. And even though she got her man in Ben, I just don't know where she stands right now going into Merge, which can be a tough thing if she doesn't have a, a clear kind of alliance. Um, and at the bottom, I've put KJ now. The twins were an easy one, but as I said, I think that they got to merge together. That makes them a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more dangerous. And KJ, I just think that even though she got a reset with the tribe, um, she's very clearly on the bottom. They didn't really have any kind of um, power or kind of want her involved really in more of she was just there as a number and happy to chuck votes on her. And I don't know where she's going moving forward. So again, we have KJ down the bottom for me. Um, Thoughts. A, fall, a fall from grace for Chrissy though. She was um she was right up there last week, I think, and now um yeah, close to the bottom. I th- I think everything absolutely fair though. I like yeah. to see uh, our mate Geordie at the top. He, he's one of my faves. So I like that. Agreed. I think we're due for a big shake up next after merge. The first tribal council always is a fun one. So mm. we'll, we'll yeah. go to that. But um before we we got um next week and to sign off. This week and what's been another phone, we have the best segment and we have in the best intro, it's our diamond in the buff. So just for those who aren't really sure what this segment actually is, diamond in the buff comes from the diamond in the rough saying, which you're probably more familiar with. And so the diamonds are the people that we either don't expect or for reasons that we're not actually as, as obvious. So, it's, you know, it's quite different to Simo's segment where, you know, you, it, people know who the power players are, where sometimes the diamonds, you know, are the people that you're not, you're not expecting. Anyway, so this was a really, really big week for, for my segment this week. 
uh, Nina has always been up there for me uh, and she's now gone. So I was very sad about that. Um, same thing with Chrissy for the same reasons that Simo just said that she's played really emotionally um, these last sort of couple of episodes. So um, one that I was really unexpected um, this week was Jesse. So he's been, you know, he's been around, but the amount of screen time he got and um, the amount of strategy and thought process that we saw um, it was really great. And then, you know, also same with Geordie there. Sam, she's still a favourite of mine. She's still up there. Big fan of her. I'm very nervous to choose her, though, going into Merge um, and Mark being quite a dominating player. And we also got a little bit of a preview of that as well for how it might go down. So, um, yeah, a bit suspicious of Sam. Um, but we've got a new diamond this week, and that is actually Shay. So I've gone back and forth about this one a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to stay with it. Uh, she's now playing alone. She knows she's at the bottom. So she's going to be happy to flip, make some you know, new, new friends or new alliances. She's going to be gunning for some of those bigger boys. Uh, so yeah, we, we might, um, might see her sort of really start to shine in the next couple of episodes and you know people other players like Mel and things like that who you know she's after this episode seeing that she's down the bottom as well so you know she's likely to potentially join up with Shay flip to the other side um get all these you know lone players all together so yeah keep an eye on Shay and I mean now and that- she's a strong challenge beast sorry that's one of the most obvious um, <laughs> parts of her as well is that she could actually go far in this game purely on her own strength and quite early on in mergers we see like a male and a female immunity idol so we might um yeah just she might just win her way for the next little while I was about to say that's that's her greatest strength yes. now, go, going into the individual <laughs> immunity stage of the game you know she, she could absolutely beast it my my biggest gripe with Shay is that I don't think um, she thinks on her feet too well. There's been a couple of times mm. where JLP's asked her a question and she's just, um, what did she say um, today where she goes, oh, now the girls are going to have to fight for it. She's like, oh, no, you're not. You guys are fine. And it's like, <laughs> you're not fine. They're definitely not fine. She just really struggles to say something and, and circle back and make it not seem, you know, accusatory or, or um or anything like that. Mm. So, But she's going to have to learn very quickly how to play her own game. I think she mm. was probably relying on joining up with Ben and being part of Ben's game, whereas now she's going to have to just start thinking on her own two feet and, you know, she, she's either going to thrive or she's not. So, uh, and I think she'll thrive. I think she'll um, get her little yogi mind happening and just she, she's a chancer. That's fair. That's it. She's got that yoga core strength and I think without having that Ben safety net, maybe that's the the best thing for her to start plugging into the game a little bit and, and making some decisions. So um, mm. I think she, she would be probably scared going into the merge, yeah. uh, but if people can kind of throw big haymakers at some of the big players early and she can get a little bit of a attraction um, a few weeks in um, or a few episodes down the line to merge, she'd be one to watch for me for sure. And she's also having to change her strategy. You know, it was only a couple of episodes ago that she was talking about wanting to work with Josh. You know, there was that episode where everyone, like Nina's like, I want to work with Josh. Um, Shay is saying she wants to work with Josh. And all of a sudden she's she knows she's on the outs on that one. So she's going to have to, yeah, work, work hard. But I think, I think there's other players out there and they could, yeah, form this really um, unlikely alliance. And as Sandra famously said, as she was walking out, there's always going to be more weaker players than stronger ones. And they're the ones that are going to band together to get out the stronger ones. Before we kind of head off now, do you have a, 
a call on who you reckon is going home next week. First episode back, first pre-merge elimination. That's a good question. Very good question. I'm I'm going to say Mark's going to be one of the early early exits after merge. No, first out. Semi last first out. Though. I know it's hard to just choose one. <laughs> I'm going to say Khan. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. What about you, Simo? Um, I'm going with my head thinking that there's going to be a core six that we see Josh Jordan, Sam, Mark, and Jesse and Jordy kind of really bond together. And then thinking that the rest of them think that now's the chance because we'll have the numbers for a short amount of time if we don't let this, if we let this get out of hand. Um, so I reckon they're going to go big. I reckon we're going to see a Jesse or a Jordan potentially go home. Um, not Jordy, maybe Jordan, but yeah. You, you thought about it in far more detail than I did. I looked at our piece of paper and chose someone. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, I had the question, so I had a, a little true. bit of opportunity to, to think about it beforehand. Then, but. Yeah, hang on. So, so you've got the six, so then on the other end you've got you've got Shay, you've got David, KJ, Chrissy, Michelle, Mel, and Khan. So that's seven. So it depends where Khan KJ lands. might be a, a swing if you, yeah, if you think she's going there, but... I'm just hoping that maybe they get together and say this is a chance. Like, well, we've got the numbers now. Let's I do it. I feel like that's seven. It's, it's just... their one chance to do it, but that's relying on Chris and Khan both yeah. voting against Sam. But we a know lot of that obviously going to have to go together. Mm. Yeah, and so so many people from different walks of life and different relationships. But gee, if that that would be an unlikely seven to knock someone off their perch, I'd love yeah. to see it. I would love to see it. But <laughs> a safer bet. I'm not optimistic. Is, yeah. Uh, um, a juicy or someone just taking it. Back. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Uh, anything else before we kind of wrap up another another episode, another week, another no. DITB? I I am pumped for merge. This is yeah. where the game really starts, and it's um people can start marking down their resumes. Yep, that's it. We gave we give them permission now to to start talking <laughs> about it. That's right. All right. Well. Um, appreciate everyone who's kind of stuck with us so far and um, enjoying the Survivor as much as we are at the moment. Um, so we hope you have enjoyed the listen and we're going to be back with another wrap-up of three episodes in a week time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Beth and Jacob. A shout-out to Gav, who was um, generous enough to stick with us and had to leave. But um, it's been a pleasure and we'll catch everyone next week. Thanks, guys. Sure has been. Tell your friends, everyone. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Bye.